0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Anyone else, just kindly raise your hand if you need a copy of the notes this morning some over my right, your left, anyone else, make it easier for you to follow along, don't promise not to deviate, but they're there for you, amen, praise God, thank you, thank you Jesus, boy what a good, it's good to be alive in Jesus, it's good to know your destination is with him in glory. It's good to know, praise God, that when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ arise out of the grave, we're going to be caught up and we're going to meet them in the air. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Be ready. You heard the song this morning. Be ready. Are you ready this morning? Amen. Praise God. Nothing more important than to be ready for your departure from this realm of life. You might have some important engagements today and appointments today, but nothing is more important than this one. Amen. Amen? That you know you're prepared because you're born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and you're on your way to glory. Amen. That's the most important thing. Well, you got your Bible out there? Let's raise them to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free, quicken me according to the word, change me from glory to glory, and I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen hallelujah amen we're talking about discovering our gift this is our third lesson we're going to review a few things since we had it last week it was our healing service so we didn't talk about it last week but look at uh, the book of romans in chapter 12 and we're going to give the scripture that talk about the motivational gifts that god gives to each and every one of us and this is from the niv for just as each of us has one body anybody here have here more than one body thank god right one's enough to take care of (laughs) with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts did you get that each one belongs to the other we belong to each other we need each other you realize that we all do we all have a part in the body of christ and we all belong to each other we need each other Uh, to all the others we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us if your gift is prophesying then prophesy in accordance with your faith if it is serving then serve if it is teaching then teach if it is to encourage then give encouragement if it is giving then give generously if it is to lead do it diligently if it is to show mercy do it cheerfully love must be sincere hate what is evil cling to what is good praise God So here we have scriptures that reveal to us that every single one of us is a part of the body of Christ, a member in particular, and we all need each other in the body of Christ. The head can say to the foot, I have no need of you. So no matter what your function is, it is necessary, it is important, and we need it to function correctly and properly. So the body can be a living organism of love, knit together in love, carrying out the purpose of God's will on the earth. And what's the great purpose of his will? I believe it's the mandate of the Great Commission to save the lost. Bring everybody from every area of the world to come to know Jesus. Now, real quick, we'll go over a quick review how you can discover your gift. Number one, you've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to know him, a true experience. Like Paul on the Damascus Road, he was doing a lot that he thought was for God. He thought, but then he saw Jesus. And when he had a true encounter with Jesus, it changed his whole theology and his whole philosophy. So he had that personal encounter. But then secondly, he spent time in prayer. It wasn't immediate. In the King James, it talks about wait on your gift. You realize it says that? Waiting on your gift. Because what is your gift? It has to be developed, whatever it is. So spend time in prayer. Thirdly, spend time in the word. We need to spend time in the word. Then fourthly, do whatever it is that your hand finds to do. Oh, this is so essential, so important. When I first got saved, I did whatever I could possibly do to promote the body of Christ. Wherever I attended church, I participated, I did something. And you know what? Lo and behold, I got to use the gifts and abilities that God already gave me. You see, these gifts deal with who we are. And I played guitar, so I played guitar in the worship team. Uh, And then also I did a little bit of teaching. But do what your hand finds to do. And then next... Be certain that you listen to what other people say about you. I had people tell me. You, should, you know, They pointed out the gift that I had. Without me even recognizing. And knowing the gift that I had. You'd be good at this. You'd be good at that. Because of this. They can see it in you. But you can't see it in yourself. And then next. Answer the question. What is it that brings joy to my heart? What brings joy to my heart? Because that's really going to emerge within you. Now these gifts we are told. Are given to us for what reasons? To benefit others. And to do what? Glorify God. You remember. And they deal with our personality. And they're the driving force that motivates us. And that's why we do it. You've got this thing in you that you know, just pushes you to do it. Gently leading you into it. And then it's important also to realize we all have different gifts. And we talked about prophecy. But wait on your prophesying. We talked about serving. And we talked about teaching. Those are the three gifts that we talked about uh, in our last meeting. Today, we're going to pick up on exhortation, exhortation, look at verse eight again, exhortation or he that exhorteth on exhortation. So if you have the gift where you have a desire to see other people grow in their spirituality and also to live victorious lives, you might have this gift of exhortation where it seems like as though the anointing comes upon you in a specific area when you're sharing with other people. Has that ever happened to you? You start talking to people. I've been down at the Y sometimes when the anointing of God fell on me as I was witnessing to somebody or sharing with somebody. And I mean it was a noticeable anointing of God that just came upon me as I did it. So if you have this desire within you to really help people grow spiritually, and live victorious lives, that may very well be the gift of exhortation that can be developed in your life to minister to the needs of other people. So it's important for you to recognize that so that God can take you along the path that he has for your life. So you can develop that gift and use it to the honor and glory of God. Now, sometimes we see people that are maybe floundering in their Christian experience And if you have it within you to help them, let's say, to encourage them to rise up to higher levels and achieve greater things in God, once again, that's part of this gift. Why do you have that desire to invest in other people? Who put that there in you? You know what? Before I got saved, before I became a Christian, I didn't even think about someone else's spirituality. Did you? Didn't bother me whatsoever. But all of a sudden now that I was born again washed in the blood of the lamb I had this burning desire within me to help other people know Jesus and, and walk with Jesus. And also I had a desire to help them achieve greater things in Christ. Where did that come from? It didn't come from me. These are importations of the Spirit of Almighty God to help us do what? Help other people and glorify Him. Now think about Joshua and think about Caleb. We could say that they were exhorters. They were encouragers. Think about when they were sent to spy out the promised land. You got twelve spies going out to spy the promised land. The land's a beautiful land that flows with milk and honey, no sickness, no disease, fulfilling the number of their days. He's going to bless their coming in, bless their going out, be an enemy to the enemies, an adversary to their adversaries. What a beautiful place to be in, right? But when they get there, right at the edge of the promised land, the ten spies come back and they say, Yeah, it's a beautiful land, but there's giants in the land. There's walled cities in the land. There's warriors in the land. There's just no way we can do it. What an encourager. What an exhorter. An exhort or exhortation to doubt and unbelief. But Joshua and Caleb. No, no, no. Don't even think like that. Don't think like that. Don't, don't consider that. Don't view it as an impossibility. But they're grasshop- we're grasshoppers in their sight. They're stronger than we are. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 no. They're bred for us. We can do it. We can do it. Come on. Let's rise up to a higher level. Let's go in and possess the land. They picked up stones to stone them. Hmm. What a response. Someone tries to encourage you to do the right thing or to go higher. And you want to stone them why because you see it doesn't sit right with you because you see the obstacles that stand in the way now paul paul the apostle he was an exhorter he exhorted people look at timothy in how he exhorted young timothy in first timothy chapter two i exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceful life, and all Godliness, and honesty and men would be saved. This is good, acceptable, in the sight of God our Savior, who will allow all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That was his exhortation to Timothy. But in my teaching mind, my thinking mind, why did he say that? Could it have been that there's a bunch of people just talking about how corrupt the government is? Whew. Could it have been... If they were ungodly people, you think about they were ungodly leaders, were they not? Sure. And so what's he telling Timothy? He's exhorting him to look, pray for these people. Because you need divine intervention. God can still take their hearts, their minds, their hands. And and God can still do what he wants to do. But you've got to be a praying people and a praying church in order to achieve and accomplish that. If not, God's not going to have his way. And we're going to have failed leadership. And so on and so forth. Okay, so he exhorts him. But then also, look in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 15. He exhorts him to show himself approved to God. Think about this. Approved to God. Not approved to man. Not approved by your peers. But approved to God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Look at what it says. Study to show yourself approved unto God, Timothy. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly divided in the word of truth. And then, what does he say? He gives him instructional teaching as to how to accomplish that goal. What's he doing? He's wanting to him, him to rise to a higher level. To achieve greater things in God. Not to settle for mediocrity. Like the ten spies did. They settled for mediocrity and they got worse than that. They died in the wilderness. And Timothy is being told by Paul the apostle. This is how you're going to achieve greater success in God. Okay, Shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto in more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. You want to name your kids any kids for your names. Just Hymenaeus and Philetus for your first two born. Just in case. I mean, I don't know. Who concerning the truth have what? Erred saying that the resurrection is already past or passed already. And overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure having this seal. This is the seal of a good foundation. Listen to it. This is the seal of a good foundation. Well, what is it? The Lord knows those, those, them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. Some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So here, not only is he encouraging him to rise to a higher level, he's instructing him as to how he can do that, and also promote that in other people's lives. So Paul is an exhorter. He's exhorting, he's encouraging, he's uplifting, he's also instructional. He teaches them how. You see, you go from one gift and they can lead into another. It could very well be that as you use the gift of exhortation, as you share your heart with other people and your experiences in God and you encourage them to rise up to a higher place in God, he can lead you into a place where maybe you counsel other people, maybe you teach other people, maybe you disciple other people. I think about Brother Dave Goodman here. And how, you know, his desire is just for the Word of God. And you've seen it over the years. And now look, he's entered into a ministry of teaching where he's helping teach other people and encouraging them to grow in the things of God. It could be that you become a teacher with young people. How many of you know young people need teachers that are inspired by the Spirit of God? Imparting to them the things they need to know about God and about the Word of God. Whatever your ministry is, whatever you know you're called to do it starts somewhere and then it progresses and you get promoted by god and so if you're one who really cares about other people you have a desire to see them grow and develop in the things of god it could very well be that god is leading you to a place of exhortation but there's also a side to it that we're going to get into as well where you might have to correct other people exhorting them you know can also encourage them to rise up but also it can correct them maybe in wrongdoing and that sort of thing to promote their spiritual growth and development but then also uh, the exhorter presents truth in a sensitive way and a loving way why because he realizes and recognizes that people enter into warfare and difficulties in life and it's not an easy road to hoe. I mean, you think about tribulations and trials that come against us in life. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. In this text, in this chapter, Paul talked about unity within the body of Christ. He talked about the, the ministry gifts that are given for the purpose of what? Building up the body um, as well as helping people grow spiritually and becoming mature like Christ. But look what he says here. But speaking the truth in love. An exhorter is not someone that comes along and puts another person down. Or is critical and judgmental and harsh in his dealings with people. He is very loving and kind and sensitive because he knows what that person might be going through. Okay? Speak the truth how and love may grow up in him and all things, which is the head even Christ. So he's very sensitive to the fact, you know, that people are challenged and there's difficulties that they face and you might be engaged in a spiritual warfare at that particular time and as a result maybe you you know maybe you've uh, let down your guard and the enemy's kind of moved on, in on your territory and took you down a wrong path and someone else comes along to encourage you come on get right with God come on rededicate your life back to God come on serve him you get a a young person think about growing up right now as a young person and you see the world the way it is today And you think about all that's out there with all that we face, not just the political arena. I mean, worldwide, it seems like things are falling apart. Things are going crazy, right? Think about it everywhere you look. And we know that Jesus' return is imminent. But we also know that there's going to be seven years of tribulation and a thousand years on the earth when there's peace, when Jesus comes again. But right now, if you're a young person. And you're challenged with all the situations that you encounter in this life. You might, your head might be spinning as to what direction you should be going in. And the thing that's important to realize, only God has the way. That's the right way. And that's it. And you're safe when you're on that path. The path of the righteous is as the shining light that shines brighter and brighter, more and more into the perfect day. What does that mean? You start walking with God and that path will get brighter and brighter. You're going to see more, more clearly, understand more. You're going to know the way that you should go and you're going to know the right way to walk in. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof, that's the way of death. It may seem right. What does that mean? It appeals to you in your senses. It appeals to you in your thinking. It appeals to you in every other way, but it's apart from God's way. It's apart from God's way. Quick example. You know, we just recently went through, in our government, where they have mandated that all states do what? Same-sex marriages is legalized and accepted. And in the natural, people think, well, that's the way I was born. That's the way this is. And they have all these reasons and all these excuses and all that sort of thing. And in the natural, when a person thinks that way, they can be deceived into thinking that that's God's way. But you know what? God gave us a road map. An instructional book. That teaches his way apart from man's way. I'm not here to promote man's way. I'm not here to put anybody else down. I'm here to tell it like it is. To say what God said. And no matter what anyone else says. Whether it's government. Politicians. Doesn't matter. What matters is what did he say about something. In the beginning, when God made, he made a male and female, made he them. And he said that was very good, right? He instituted the the relationship of marriage. He ordained the family to be his design. And when he did that, he established it for all time. So just because government can come in and undermine that and just say, well, we're going to say that it's better this way because we bless other people, help other people, it's good for other people. And once again, you take young people down a wrong path and they get a mindset that thinks God must sanction this. And the sad part about it is he doesn't. And they're deceived into thinking that he does, and it's wrong. And the end thereof is the way of death. Separation from God. And we're to here to exhort people in a loving, sensitive, caring, compassionate way to so let people know that this is the way of God. You know what? You, you step out on this limb and here's what you find out. People that think like that, if if we went by the mentality, I was born that way, what's to stop the rapist from saying, I was born that way? What's to stop the murderer from saying, I was born that way? What's to stop the kleptomaniac saying, I was born that way? And you know what? I'm Italian and I have an anger problem. I was born that way what's to stop anyone from saying that so does that mean I have a right to express myself in such a way so as to put down other people because I haven't because I was born this way no but yet it seems like in our society a statistic I think that will absolutely floor you there was a time when over 70 to 75% of all Americans believed God's way and young people were educated in, in this light, and they knew God's way. But because of what's happened in our society, because of taking prayer out of school, the Bible out of school, because of removing God from the consciousness of young people, and se- what they call separation from church and state was absolutely wrong, because it's not in the Constitution anywhere. It was a letter written to the Danbury Baptist Church to say that the state's not going to interfere with, with uh, our Christian belief and values, okay? So young people think today, guess how many believe the values of this book? Four percent. It used to be 75. Now it's down to four. And why? Because they're taking God out of their thinking. And it's sad. Even the sadder part is when you go to church, you don't hear it. Did you come to have your ears tickled or hear the truth? I'm here to preach the truth. To let our young people know that God is the only right way. And you need to do it God's way. And that's the only way that's going to produce success in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Look in the book of Galatians, chapter 6 and verse 1. If you're an exhorter and you have a desire to help people grow and develop and uh, rise to a higher place of uh, achievement in their life as a Christian, and it'll bring success in every realm of life. Look, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... Beat them to death with the Bible. Wait a minute. I have myself a wrong translation. Slap them silly. (laughs) If someone is caught in a sin. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself Or you also may be tempted. We all have the same feelings and emotions and challenges that we face in life. In other words, don't go with an attitude of condescension. You're going to condescend and judge and criticize and put people down. That's not what true preaching is all about. It's to lift people up out of the miry clay and show them there is a better way. Without condemning. Amen. Amen. So in other words, he said, look, in the spirit of meekness, go to people and let them know the right way, considering yourself, lest you also fall. And what does that mean? If I go with an attitude of pride and arrogance, like as if I'm better than you are, I open myself up to the devil for my own destruction. But if I go to you and I just say, brother, I've been down that road. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're going through right now. I just want you to know that God sent me here to love you and let you know how much he cares about you. And share some things with you, I believe that will help you and be a blessing to you. Now, important truth. People will receive corrective criticism either in a right way or a wrong way. Not everybody is going to receive it like David did when Nathan... Remember the story of David and Nathan when Nathan came to David and said to him... How many of you don't remember that story, don't know that story? And how many of you are afraid to say whether you do or don't? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alright, so... <laughs> You know, how many of you know that David committed adultery with Bathsheba? And she became pregnant, right? And how many of you know that David then sent for Uriah, her husband, to come from war, come back, to get him to come back and and be with his wife so that he could be the one who would be responsible to be the father of the child, even though David was? It was like a cover-up, okay? But Uriah, the man of integrity that he was, refused to go and be with his wife because his brethren were aware they were at war. He said, so I'm not going to do that. So now foiled again, David is like, oh, no, what am I going to do now? Everybody's going to know. So he sends Uriah off to war. And when he sends him off to war, he tells the other leaders that were there, send to the front line and let him go forward. And then after he goes forward, then everybody pull back. So he get killed. So he got killed. And once he got killed, David's like, I got this thing figured out now. I got your, I I got Bathsheba. She's pregnant. I'm going to marry her. Uriah's dead. You know, it's, it's, it's a no brainer here. It's ended. It's all over. I succeeded. This goes on for a while. All of a sudden, he gets a knock on his door. Nathan comes along and gives him a little story. And that story, in that story, it infuriates David because the man that took that man's only lone little sheep, he should be put to death for he did. And Nathan says, oh, king, you are that man. You stole a man's wife. You've got all these wives. You've got all the women you ever wanted. And you stole that man's wife. You are that man. And David says, you're right. He took responsibility for his actions. Psalm 51 is written. And it says, Oh, Lord, create in me a clean heart. renew the right spirit within me. I sinned against you as what I did. I'm wrong. Would it be wonderful if everybody received correction that way? Yeah. I mean it, correction that way. I remember one time when I was young in the Lord. I mean, I was young in the Lord. And this other fellow, he was young in the Lord, but he was older than I am. Or I was in, in the Lord at that particular time. He was a Christian maybe about a year and a half, two years. I was just saved. And we worked in a mill... And when you work in a meal, the language isn't usually that good to so say it mildly. And so day in and day out, we go for our lunch. We go to our little shant- shanty, shanty, little canteen shanty. You go to have your lunch and we're all sitting in there. There's Playboy magazines and all these magazines all around the whole place. And, you know, you're just sitting there doing, you're just talking and all this filth is just coming out of people's mouths. This, this meal talk. Well, this brother in the Lord is engaged in the same kind of mill talk as everybody else is. You know what? Sometimes once you wonder, why doesn't God just let you mind your own business? (laughs) Does ever think about that? So I'm minding my own business. I just go there, keep my mouth shut. I was always a quiet person. You may not realize that, but I was a quiet person. And I wouldn't say a whole lot. Then one day the Lord spoke to my heart and said, share with your brother in the spirit of meekness. He's trying to win these people over. But he shows himself no different to those that are around him. Now I'm sweating bullets. <laughs> sweating bullets. I call him on the phone and say, can we get together and talk? He says, sure. And we talk about Jesus and we talk about just how wonderful Jesus is. And he's so glad to be a Christian now. He goes, I, all my life, I, did, I didn't know what it meant to be born again. Didn't know what it meant to be a Christian and all that. And we're just having a wonderful time. And then finally, the opportunity came. And I said, brother, I-, I see that you really want to be a light to all these people that you work with, right? He said, absolutely. And I says, you know, I do too. I said, but we've got to show ourselves different. They have to see something in us that they don't see in other people. And I said, I just wanted to point something out because I believe the Lord has sent me just to, to share something with you about your language in and speech. And I said, if we're just doing what they're doing, then we're no different than they are. Do you know that man thanked me from the bottom of his heart and says, I just want you to know how much I appreciate that because I've worked in the mill for like 175 years. I've been here all my life and that's all we ever do and I think nothing of it to talk that way but you know what I spurred him on by the spirit of God to rise up to a higher place of excellence in Christ and demonstrate that as a Christian praise God you can be a light even in the deepest darkness that you're surrounded by he thanked me I was surprised I thought he was going to get all over my case but who are you to criticize me who are you to judge me well then recently I'm at the Y why You know, and I'll never do this again. Oh, Lord, help me. Someone once came along and told me, and I appreciated the advice, because he said, when you do this one particular exercise, that is a terrible, terrible, terrible stress that you put upon your rotator rotator cuff. He said, you can really damage it. And many of the other ones just said they got surgery because of it, and it affected them for months. They had been away from lifting and all that. And so I said, thank you. I didn't realize that. I received it gladly. And said, Thank you. Well, some weeks go by, and I see another person doing the very exercise that I was doing, and I thought I would just so nonchalantly, nicely tell this person what I was told. I'm telling you, I thought my head would be bitten off. Don't you ever tell me how to. I'm sick and tired of people coming up to me and telling me the right way to lift, the wrong way to lift. And I thought, Oh my goodness. You didn't have breakfast yet this morning or something. <laughs> I thought I was helping this individual. And I'm telling you, you think I would have just stomped on this person's foot and, and just, you know, hurt her and damaged her life. But I'm telling you, it, wow, not, people don't always receive correction in a right way. Okay? So if you're an encourager, this is why he said, wait on your gift. Get it down. Develop it. <laughs> Make sure you're motivated by love and you're not criticizing. And use the right words, the right speech. Go in a spirit of meekness. Meekness is your thoughts and attitudes towards people. Humility is your thought and attitudes towards God. So with God we humble ourselves and with people we're meek. We go there not with a wrong attitude but in a spirit of meekness and share with them the truth. And what's your motive? Remember these motivational gifts are what? To help them grow and develop. To benefit them and to glorify God. Amen. So those that receive it, now look at this verse, because it's it's powerful. Proverbs fifteen thirty one. This is from the Living Bible. If you profit from constructive criticism, you will be elected to the wise man's Hall of Fame. I like that, don't you? But to reject criticism is to harm yourself and your own best interests. Can I say why? I'll tell you exactly why. So notice it's constructive criticism. Okay? So when we encourage people, we want to do it in a constructive way, right? Because if you receive it, now he's talking about receiving it. If you receive it, what's going to happen? You'll be elected to the wise man's hall of fame. You're a wise man. But to reject criticism is to harm yourself and your own best interests. And here's why. You realize people can see in you the things you can't see about yourself? Really? We've got this beam in our eye. And we can't see things about ourselves. That fellow didn't see anything about himself that was wrong. But others could. You know, Let's not give the enemy a reason to put us down and criticize. And so when we receive constructive criticism. It benefits us and it helps us. But to reject it. Is probably to stymie our own growth and development. But remember this whether you're giving the, the constructive criticism or receiving it, you have to maintain the right attitude. So if you're out there, you have a desire to see people grow and develop spiritually, and you have a desire to be a blessing to them and impart to their lives, make sure you yourself, first of all, develop and recognize the need to go in meekness, to go in love. To go being sensitive to the fact they might be going through a difficult trial or tribulation right now, and it may be manifesting itself in a, in a negative way in their lives, but go there not with sharp criticism, not pointing a finger, not being judgmental, not being critical, but in a loving, sensitive, kind way, considering yourself and considering them to help them grow and develop but if you 're the reci- on the recipient if you 're on the recipient end you 're receiving that before you even lash out back think it through maybe just say okay i'm gonna put that uh, in my thought process i'm gonna think about that you know and that's what david did that's what the man did down in the mill you know and as a result he benefited from it now finally the exhorter knows that god loves and cares for his people he knows it and wants what's best for them God has a plan for everyone's life for good, not for evil, to give us all a future and to give us a hope. He has a wonderful plan for all of us. And we need to know that as an exhorter. I'm here to exhort someone. I'm here to exhort you and uh, help you. That's my purpose and motive. Why? Because I know that God loves you and cares about you. I want us all to rise to a higher level of achievement in Christ. Don't you want that? What was Paul's burning desire? He said, my ultimate goal and aim. This is my highest aspiration that I would be more Christ-like. And we should all be encouraged and encouraging one another to be more Christ-like. To provoke one another to good works and to love and care for each other. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, there's no better encourager or an exhorter than God himself. This is God speaking to all of us. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose, choose what? What's he exhorting the people to do? Choose life. Well, why? Because he knows what death's all about. Choose life. He's exhorting his people. Choose life. Why? That both thou and thy seed may live. That you may love the Lord your God. And the Lord that thou mayest obey his voice. And thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is your life and length of days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. So what's God saying? Choose the way of life. Choose the path of life. Don't choose the path of death. It's placed before you life and death, blessing and cursing, good and evil. But you know what? You've got a choice to make. It's up to you to choose as to what direction you want to go in. So choose the right way. So if we choose the way of our feelings and emotions, I can be angry and sin. No, you can't. Be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? Well, if it feels good, do it. That was the mantra of of one age and dispensation, wasn't it? If it feels good, do it. Really? If it violates God's laws, no matter how good it feels, it's going to be destructive to your life and to your future. And that's why it's critical. It's so important that we recognize the need to appeal to God. Because he's the one that will help us encourage other people to choose the right path for their lives. And you know what? You're putting yourself in a position, if you're an exhorter, to really hear the voice of God in an accurate way. In love and meekness where you go to other people and share the truth with them. So that they can grow and develop spiritually. And then look at the next verse in Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider one another. To provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching you know what that is saying what's he saying here provoke one another to good works encourage one another to live right before god to do right before god make right choices and decisions that honor god and not our own way and our own thinking. But then, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as a matter of some is. There were many that were staying away from the church, staying away from the place where they met to teach and preach the, the, the gospel and the word of God and they were being tempted to go back into Judaism as a result they were being overwhelmed and overcome by the Judaizers that were trying to impart to them reasons why they should go back under the law but here these leaders these believers are saying you can't put yourself and start listening to all that stuff all that propaganda all that you're hearing it's going to take you back you don't want to do that you know why people need to be in church to hear the truth To surround themselves with others that love them, that care about them, that will provoke them, kind of poke the bear a little bit. You know, poke them to do the right thing, to live right. So imagine this, all churches need a lot of exhorters that will provide exhortation to really help people along the way. People within the body that could be the eyes and the ears of the church and even the leadership of the church. When you hear someone saying something derogatory, correct them. You may not know that that's the truth. You realize leadership is looking out for your best interest. They love you and care about you so much. You may disagree with that. You may disagree with this. But don't sow discord among brethren. Because if you start sowing discord among brethren, what do you do? You bring division. And where's the vision? There's going to be all kinds of uh, demonic activity and work. A house divided cannot stand. And so we exhort one another while it is day to walk in the light as he is in the light. To walk in truth. Every church needs people that will exhort other people to do the right thing. To live the right way and to honor God. Well I'm saying this, can you, find, can you find Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 for me? Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. I shared a little bit about this on Wednesday evening. But um, this is so, so important for all of us in this critical moment in which we are living. Look at this verse of scripture in the book of Isaiah. It's a woe that went out from God. And whenever God hands out or doles out a woe, you don't want to be the recipient of that woe. You want to do the right thing. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There's only one individual that has the right to call good, good and evil, evil. Okay. Am I correct about that? And who would that be? The creator. Would you agree with me? The creator. So if God says something is good, is it good? And God says something is evil. Is it evil? Absolutely. So he's the one who sets the standard and not man, not our government, not our lawmakers. But God sets the standard for what is good and for what is evil. Do you know right now our government is demanding messages from preachers in Georgia right now? To turn in their manuscripts about what they are preaching so they can see to it whether or not and determine whether or not they're allowed to preach those messages. Did you know that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then with their transcripts. Because if you say something like this that... The Bible addresses the subject of homosexuality, and it talks about it being an abomination unto the Lord. That they don't want you saying from a pulpit in America. What they're saying is that you're being mean, you're being critical, judgmental, condescending, and you're hurting people. No, it's just preaching the truth that liberates and sets people free and helps them realize that their life is not just short lived on earth it's eternal it's eternal where do you stop thou shalt not kill should we stop preaching that and just say unless you've been born that way they want to monitor what we preach from the pulpit and that's why when I say this to you it's time to recognize and have our eyes open to understand You're not voting for a person. God used Samson. A womanizer. God used David. Adulterer and murderer. Am I correct? God used Saul. Until Saul finally. Just listened to the people. Wait a minute. Saul listened to the people. And took him out. And put David in. A man after his own heart. Did you hear that? So, when our leaders start listening to people and the lobbyists and what they want, again, my appeal to you I'm not saying this based on my bias. I'm saying this to you based on this book. And let me say it again there is nothing. In the whole program of God, more valuable than a human life. It is so valuable, it is so important that it sent Jesus from heaven above to the earth beneath to robe himself in flesh and be born of a virgin. Can you imagine someone trying to abort him? There is nothing more important than that agenda. 58 million lives have been denied the right to live. If that doesn't register with us, my only question is, where's our heart? Where's our heart? If we can put a stop to it, then we must put a stop to it. Because if we don't value human life like God does, guess what? Jesus won't be Lord over these United States of America much longer. We need to do something about it. And we need to vote in people that will stand for righteousness, godliness, and truth. Those that will defend the right to live the right of life. I would pray everybody in this congregation would at least agree that that unborn child has a right to be born. That child can't defend himself or herself, and that's all there is to it. And the only one that can. Is the people. And when the government makes laws. That says they will fund. Abortion. And now the, the word is now. You understand this. Not only. To, there's Roe v. Wade. We understand that's already in play. Okay. So you can say that. But they want to go back. And once again make it legal. To have partial birth abortion. Which means up to nine months. To just before the baby's born. You can kill that life and it's not a murder but the hypocrisy is this if you kill some woman who's pregnant it's a double homicide does that make any sense why is that a double homicide if it's still not alive till it's born amen amen it's not about a person it's not about a party It's not about a personality. It's not about a race. It is not about gender. It is about an agenda and a platform. That's what it's about. So don't be deceived into thinking that it's something other than that. God wants to move in this country once again. And when Christians vote their Christian values and principles, guess what? God has a way. So we can make a way for God to move. You heard me say earlier. This idea that God's on the throne is so overused it's unbelievable. But God's on the throne, so it doesn't really matter. Hitler killed how many Jews? How many Jews? Six million at one time? Wasn't God still on the throne? Think about it. Stalin. What's happening with Christians today? And why? Because leadership doesn't want to do anything about it. It's time for a change. It's time for Christians to rise up and vote their convictions and let God be God in America again. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife Krista and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment With whatever gifts god has given you we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents life is most fulfilled when we share god's love with others and in all that we do we want to demonstrate the power of the name of jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to god first and then also to you so whatever the situation wherever you are whatever you're going through i want you to know that we love you and god loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and that plan begins by making jesus the lord and the savior of your life and if you've never made that decision yet i'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me and if you will jesus will become your savior and your lord just repeat after me this prayer heavenly father i come to you just as i am and i believe with all my heart that jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me i open the door of my heart i call upon the name of the lord lord jesus come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.